Welcome to Board Games Are For Losers, a podcast where two friends with the same name talk about everything board game related and introduce new players to the hobby. In this special bonus episode, the Double Ds talk about their experience at the 2018 World Board Gaming Championships and discuss some of the games that they played there. And now, here they are, Darren and Darren. Welcome to another episode of Board Games Are For Losers. I'm your host, Darren. And I'm also Darren. And today we're bringing you a special bonus episode, not one of our regular episodes, but we're going to be recapping our experience at the World Board Gaming Championships 2018 uh, that we just got back from. Um, So, Darren, why don't you tell us a little about what the WBCs are? All right. Well, this is excellent because I think this was what basically spurred our podcast. So I think it's great to talk about this early on. Uh, The World Board Gaming Championships uh, is a convention of sorts, uh, but it's more focused on tournament gameplay. So some people may be familiar with the cons around Origins and PAX Unplugged. It's more of a display of of, uh, game designers and game publishers showing what they have out, whereas the WBCs are focused more on tournament play. Uh, There's a Approximately 100 official games, where and there's a couple more that they throw in there. And you can sign up to play a game. You play a couple heats. If you win, you advance on. Um, but also, in addition to the tournament play, there's a big open gaming area. And they have a game library where you can check out games and sit down and play with anybody. Um, so it's a nice mix of structured gaming and open gaming. Yeah, and so this year we went from Saturday. Uh, we left... Philadelphia Saturday morning got there. It's in the, right outside of Pittsburgh in Seven Springs, uh, Pennsylvania. Um, we got there. We went from Saturday afternoon. It's about a four-hour drive for us, four or five hours, mm-hmm. and we stayed till the following Sunday. Yes, our wives love that we stay nine days. Eight, as I like to clarify, it's only eight nights. It's, yeah. It's not nine full days, really, but uh, it sounds like a lot of time, and by the end of the time, I think I, I agree. I was ready to go, but uh, the time flies when you're there. Yeah, sure. and we don't do any gaming on the, the, the last Sunday. We just basically get up and go home, uh, but we wanted to do this episode because a lot of we, we talk about the WBCs a lot because it's our closest convention, and it's the one that I've been going to the longest. And uh, so people asked us about it, so we wanted to do this episode to cover uh, what it is. Um, so why don't, why don't you tell us about how you got started at the WBCs? We talked a little bit about this at, in episode zero, but just to elaborate on it some more. Yeah, I think my first – this is my fifth year, I believe, and uh, I don't even remember how I found out about it, but it used to be in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I think – I remember driving by it while it was going on and they had, it was at the Lancaster Host Hotel and they had like on their billboard saying, welcome world board gamers or something like that. Did you almost crash the car? It was amazing. I don't, I do remember <laughs> that. And, um, and I think I remember looking online to find out more. This was years ago, but it took two or three years before I decided. I think I'd asked you to go before. Yeah, I was very skeptical. You know, at that point, I don't think I was playing enough games to to want to do this. And I was very skeptical about what we would be getting into. Yeah, so I remember one year I just said, okay, well, I'm just going to go. 
and check it out. And I, I think the first time I only went for two or three days to check it out. Right. And you so went alone. I went by myself, just played a bunch of games, actually had a lot of fun. Um, and so the next year I convinced you to go. Right. So I, my wife is still skeptical and she was very, very skeptical the first time I went. And so I think I, my plan was to go um, up for just a night or maybe two. Yeah, I think it was... I think I was there for like three or four days at that point. Right. So I showed up um, and, and started playing in some tournaments, and I wound up advancing in a couple of them to include Agricola and Galaxy Trucker. And when I noticed what time the next round would be played, I realized, oh, I got to stay another day. Mm-hmm. So I had to call home, um, and my wife, who was with – oh, they must have been – my son must have been one at the yeah, time because yeah. this is the fourth year. Yeah. So, you know, not thrilled about staying home alone to begin with, but the fact that I needed to add on to the trip because, well, I advanced to the next round. I can't, I can't it's leave. the playoffs. Right. I, can't, I can't leave. Um, and her having no clue what was going on at this event, and she still does it, right. but now she at least kind of understands a little bit. Uh, that, I think, put me in the hole for a while. Right. <laughs> I remember that. Um, so that was my second year, your first, and those were the only two years that it was in Lancaster before it moved. Now, it was in Lancaster. This has been going on for 20-plus years, and it was in Lancaster for several years, but we only went in Lancaster twice. Uh, I went twice. Right. And then it moved um, three years ago to Seven Springs. Um, and so the third, my third year, we went for what? Five days, maybe? Yeah, I think four four or five days because we still weren't convinced we needed to go for the full week. Right, yeah. But then the fourth year after uh, going to Seven Springs the first time, we decided to go all in and, and go all eight or nine days of it. Yeah, and part of that was because of the location. Seven mm-hmm. Springs is a resort and even in – it's a ski resort. Mm-hmm. But even in the summer, it has a ton of stuff to do. Uh, you know, you, you – you can golf if you want to golf, but there's lots of biking trails and running trails and uh, there's a pool. And it, there's just – in Lancaster, you were on a strip in any town right. in the USA. So, yeah. you know, you go you can go out to McDonald's and you can come back to the tournament. This was, this was more felt like a vacation of sorts. So I think that kind of spurred our decision to stay a little longer. Yeah, the first year that – or sorry, the second year we went – we brought our mountain bikes. We did a ton of mountain biking in the trails uh, on the, in the mountains up there. And, uh, in fact, this year we brought our bikes again. We did a bunch of biking. They also have a downhill mountain biking course uh, that I did uh, on Saturday this year. For t- I was there two or three hours where the, the, you ride up the ski lift on your bike and then you bike down the trails. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Now tell everybody um, how other gamers that we met at, at the WBCs would react to hearing we were doing something other than gaming. Well, that is the funny thing. Like when we're at home, we get made fun of for playing games and not getting outside enough. And then when we're at the WBCs, we get made fun of for wasting time outside and not gaming enough. True. So I mean, it really does. People are like, why would you waste your time biking when you could be gaming 12 hours a day? It was not 12. It was more like (laughs) 16 to to 20 hours because people, some people there just don't sleep and they play from, from dusk till dawn uh, or the other way around. But I think, uh, having 
a lot of activities to be able to do there was a big part of the decision in the staying the whole time because we got a lot of other things in. In fact, we played Frisbee golf, and we'll talk about that later uh, this time. Yeah, there was a bit of a situation. There was. Uh, part of part of our uh, history at the WBCs has been actually getting others to come with us. Mm-hmm. And we started um, last year with my friend Howie and your friend Karen joining us and this year one of howie's friends came along so we're now up to five total people not for the full week howie came a full week this time but um, gradually we hope to kind of grow a a big group yeah so this year yeah there were five of us uh by the end there were five of us and we rented a uh three-bedroom condo out there um and i think over the years too um we have kind of focused from playing a lot of the tournament games to playing more in open gaming as we have more people to to game with. Right, because I mean, you're you're not winning money in these tournaments. You're you're winning basically points or what they call laurels uh, if you finish in the top six. And what we did originally was we were running around from tournament to tournament, um, and we found like we didn't have time to eat. Right. We were trying to go to these scheduled events. Uh, it, it was fun because we got to. It was structured, so right. we didn't always have. We didn't have to look for people to play with. We didn't have to bring our own games. But as we came to realize, especially this year with the expanded open gaming library and the fact that we all brought bags full of games, is that it's a lot more fun most of the time to just sit down in open gaming and play the games that we don't get to play a lot or play new games. Um, so we definitely gotten the focus away from the tournament aspect of it and just to playing whatever we have and whatever we can find. In fact, uh, three of us drove out from Philadelphia, me, you, and Howie, and Howie was stuffed in the back seat with about uh, 50 games piled next to him. Right, and <laughs> and we made him listen to our podcast on the way out. That and, is true. And made him listen to our podcast planning as we were driving. So that, I think he really wanted to throw himself out the window. That is true. <laughs> at some point. Um all right, so let's uh, let's talk about some of the games, uh, the gaming we did this year, 2018. Yep. So, so I'm a stat guy, um, I like numbers, and we all, we both keep track of of games we play throughout the year on mm. on an app, um, and especially was interesting to see during this year. So we took calculation of how many games we played. Now, this is not unique games; some of these will obviously have been repeated, repeated but over the eight day. Period, Darren. How many games did you play? I did not. I forgot to tabulate it, but I know <laughs> approximately. <laughs> As always, you're well prepared. Yeah. I, I gave you a sheet with the questions I was going to ask you. I meant to do it. Good job. <laughs> um, now it was. I did at one point count. It was somewhere in the low sixties. Right. I know it was over sixty. I know we're very similar. We're very similar. There's only a couple times where we weren't playing a game at the same time or mm-hmm. we didn't play a game together. So I my number officially was sixty-four, which is eight games a day, which for those that game a lot, yeah. I guess everybody would think that's a lot because you're we're not playing twenty minute games. They're right. Some are two hours two, plus. Yeah. And, and we also ate and we slept and we did we did other activities. So right. yeah, that's an average of eight games a day. Uh, so that was I thought that was that's crazy. That was that a was crazy amount of games and and we filled our time completely. Oh, yeah. Um sorry. So for the next thing we calculated, well at least I did. Yeah. I don't know if you did, but no, this one I definitely have no idea. <laughs> okay. So it was how many new games we played because I talked about how we focused less on tournament play and more mm-hmm. on open gaming where we tried new games and and 
and experience new things. So did you calculate how many new games you played? No. Okay, it's great gonna work. Few, it's going to be a few less than you because uh, I brought some of the games that we played a few times. But so what did you end up with, new games? I have new games. So out of the 64 games played, I, I had that I played 21 new games. Wow. So it's basically a third of the times we played was playing new games. I was probably then around 15 to 18, I think. Yeah, I would say some of the new games that – I played were ones you taught, uh, but yeah. we did get uh, a lot of games taught by um, one of our friends, Max, who we'll talk about in a little bit, but he, he's, he's an excellent teacher of games. Yeah, he and, taught us a lot of games, yeah. Yeah, we would seek him out to, to learn new games. So I'd say your numbers probably, you know, 15 would be, sounds about right, but um, great preparation once again. Well, this next one, <laughs> we're going to talk about how many tournaments we actually entered. Now, did you calculate that? Uh, I just did because it wasn't many. Okay. Um, it was pretty easy. Uh, approximately five, maybe six, but five. Okay. Um, which is a big change from in the past when uh, I've entered a lot of different tournaments. And then this year it was really only five tournaments. Right. And, and I had that. I entered six. And okay. Again, that's over the course of eight days, whereas I think the first time – I went for those two days. I entered probably more than that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was just a matter of we were looking at the schedule saying, would I rather play this game again or go play open gaming with everybody? Because right. what, what you got to realize is you're getting put in a game with people you don't necessarily know. Right. Uh, and that can lead to playing with people who are not fun to play with. Right. And there's some games that are known to have a little more serious mm-hmm. end to it. Yeah. Um, whereas if I'm playing an open game with you and Howie, I know what I'm getting into. And also I think, uh, you know, some of the tournaments are standard games like Ticket to Ride or Carcassonne that I've played a hundred times. I'm not really thrilled uh, to play that game again when I can go in open gaming and learn a new game or play something that I've only played a handful of times with you guys. Right. Uh, and, and I think we'll see later on when we talk about what were our top gaming experiences, they're really maybe maybe one, but it's not doesn't really come from tournament play because that really isn't the most fun we have. So yeah. I think it fits with how our mindset has changed. And, and to be clear, at, at this uh, WBCs, there are people who just play tournament games one after another after another, and that's what they enjoy. And it's certainly that option. I, I like to have a mix, uh, but I think we've moved towards the open gaming. And, and to be clear, the open gaming room is a room that's filled with, I don't know, 100, 200 tables. Mm-hmm. And at any time, especially at peak times, there's hundreds of people in there playing games. And there's a library of games in the front of probably a 1,000 games that you can pick from Bring back to your table and play with your friends, or you can hold up a sign saying that you're looking for players and other looking people, for friends. Looking yeah, for I've, friends. I've done that occasionally, yep. <laughs> and other people will join you. So there's unlimited opportunities to play uh, whatever game you want in open gaming. Yep. And and so now, while we don't really focus on the tournament gaming, it's obviously important to bring up our top finish in, in the tournaments we entered um now well, should i let you go first yeah my i was disappointed this year uh, of the five tournaments i entered actually and really the only one i really enter competitively is dominion last year i finished fourth this year i don't know what my actual finish was because i did not get to the the second round so i right. don't know what it was you didn't yeah you didn't make it out of the the heats uh, right. in fact we played in one heat we played together right and i beat right. you that which is, is embarrassing very embarrassing very embarrassing um 
uh, I played in six different tournaments and in Galaxy Trucker, the only game I'm skilled at, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you'd call that a skill. Um, I got to the finals and finished third. So nice. Uh, that was a, that was a good time. And it only, it was it, not until the second game where I actually played a kid. Right. In previous years, my, all of my first round experiences were playing eight and ten year old kids, which give you guys great joy. Of course, and all of our friends think that we go there and we just play uh, against a bunch of kids, but that's well, really not the case. Part of that's your fault because every time I'm playing a kid, you take a picture well, of it I do, and send I, it to everybody at work. I do like to spread that rumor, but it's not actually true. You're not helping but our It's very entertaining. Um, so those are the stats. So of the 60-plus games that we each played, um, this is where we want to get into the episode, or what of, which were our favorites. So what were the favorite new games that we played? So we're going to start by talking about the favorite new games. We're each going to give our top three. Uh, Dayron, would you like to start? What is your number three favorite new game that you played at World Board Gaming Championships 2018? Okay, so my number three is a game called Cosmic Run, which was taught to us by our friend Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a a dice rolling, push your luck sort of game, kind of kind of a fun, not too serious game. And I don't know why it's it's not the world's greatest game, but it's some it it, it appealed to me, and I thought we had fun time. Every time we played it, it was just it was a good game. I agree. I actually, I think I played it twice, two or three times. Um, I really liked it too. It's a fun, light dice rolling game. Uh, I really liked it. It's one I would definitely consider getting. I think it's out of print, but yeah, it's pretty expensive if you want to buy it off market. But um, what was your number three? Number three for me was a game uh, called Princes of the Renaissance, <sighs> and so that was taught to us by Max's dad. Uh, Bob, um, so Deron did not love this game. Uh, I'm not saying it's the, the world's greatest game, but I liked the experience because it was something different. So uh, briefly, Princess of the Renaissance is a game that's designed by a famous designer named Martin Wallace. It's an older game, I think, from the early 2000s. It's not the world's prettiest games, but Mm-mm. no, it's <laughs> definitely not. But it has a lot of neat mechanics. You're auctioning, um, you're... you're, you're uh, Fighting wars in Italy, but the thing that I thought was fun is like uh, you. There's uh, five or six different cities on the map, and you can declare a war between two cities. Um, but you may not even be the person declaring the war, and you may want um, a certain city to lose uh, in order that the the value of that city goes down. And you could use influ- influence points to fight wars, and then you have money to buy basically to invest in those cities. So at the end of the game, your investments, how much they're worth, uh, determines the winner. Yeah, it's it, it's not terrible. I think it's just I would, I'd play it again if somebody played it, but I'd never seek it out. It was just it was just average to me at best. And I'm again is not one I'm going to go to recommend to everybody, but I thought it was really fun to play a new game like that that I probably would have never played otherwise. And I, I enjoyed that experience of, of learning that game. Okay, fair enough. Um, so my number two is, is going to be your number one, so we'll save that for later. What's your number two? All right, my number two is kind of a combined of playing the uh, escape room games, Exit the Game, and Unlock. We played one of both of those. Um, and if you haven't played them, uh, they're basically – Escape rooms that are designed to mimic an escape room where you have to solve a bunch of puddle, puzzles. Uh, unlock 
is a bunch of cards, and the exit game, you actually kind of destroy it uh, while you're doing it. Unlock, we played with the three of us, and uh, exit, we played with uh, five of us, right? The five of us trying mm-hmm. to solve it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, we solved all of them with pretty minimal hints, and I, I had a lot of fun doing it, so much so that I've already bought like four more of these games. I've already played one since we've been back. I played another Unlock. Yeah, and I think um, for for those listening to the podcast that are on the newer side of gaming, which is a lot of the the audience, a lot of the three people, um, mm-hmm. if you're if you've ever done exit rooms uh, in real life, this could be a nice transition into into uh, gaming. And the the unlock series is reusable. You don't destroy anything, but the the puzzles are more straightforward and kind of linear you do one step do another step whereas the exit games you you trash everything and and just like a real escape room everything is could be something you always have to think outside the box so to speak so um, it could be a fun experience to do and I, i agree that that was a ton of fun yeah and i definitely recommend that to anybody they cost like 15 bucks or less to get them uh you can play by yourself two players up to five or six i think it was a really fun experience uh, do you want to go to my number one, since it's also your number two? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. My number one game that I played, new game, is a game called Heaven and Ale. Um, and we ended up playing this three times? Mm-hmm. I, I think did, so. The first time we played a little wrong. Thanks of course. to Howie not reading the rules correctly. The usual thing. Yeah. Uh, and it did, it still made the game fun, but it definitely was wrong, so we can discount that play. But we played uh, two more games, I think, after that. Um, Heaven and Nail is a game about, um, monks brewing beer and like growing hops and barley in their garden. And the theme, although the game looks nice and has nice art, you don't really feel like you're brewing beer. <laughs> no, it, it's essentially meaningless. I, I think the reason we, we enjoyed it was because it, it was a different, type of gameplay there was a, a, a track of things and you had to move your guy along but if you wanted to get the really good stuff you had to jump ahead and once you jumped ahead you couldn't go back to the things you skipped and that was kind of a new system for us and then yeah. the, at the end the scoring was dependent on how well you balanced um, everything you picked up during during the game if you had too much uh, wheat and not enough barley or whatever we were doing, it, you you didn't score as high because you needed to be well balanced. I thought it was a cool scoring system and a cool mechanic. Yeah, and uh, it, there was a lot of tile placement, how you place the tiles in the garden that you were growing. Uh, a lot of decisions on that. Um, I really liked it. Um, I'm not sure if it's one I'm going to buy. Um, what? Yeah, I, I mean... When, when have you ever not bought something? I would play it again. I just don't know how much plays we'll get out of it because it is uh, not an overly light game. Um, and it kind of could be a little difficult to teach maybe. Um, but I, I would play it. It might be one we bust out again next year. I think so. And I don't know how well it would go two players. So if yeah. you're just looking to play it with a net, I don't, I don't yeah. know if it's going to be great two players. Yeah. But definitely one I'm looking forward to playing next year for sure. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. So that's my number one. Your number two. What is, was your number one new game? My number one new game was The Voyages of Marco Polo. Uh, this one is a, uh, a dice rolling game where your dice become – your 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 mechanism for taking actions on the board. So you're uh, depending on how well you roll is going to affect how 
what you can do on your turn. And it's not worth going into the full detailed description here, but I really liked it for a couple reasons. Um, one was each game you get a specific character, and that will greatly change your abilities in the game. Mm-hmm. One of the characters didn't have to roll the dice. He could make all of his dice sixes, yeah. whereas another guy would basically get free resources from the board every time somebody did something. So it dramatically changed the game each time we played it. And I just I like I like games where the dice, although the, yes they're random, but you have to react to what they're rolled. So right. yeah, I might roll really poorly, but if I can change my strategy based on those rules successfully, then I can succeed. I'm not going to be completely out of luck. So I like those types of games. Of Grand Austria Hotel is another one that's kind of like that where mm-hmm. You got to deal with what the dice are, and you got to change your strategy based on that. Yeah, I like this one too. It, it wasn't new to me because I played it before because I was I was the one who brought it. Uh, but yeah, I really like this game, and uh, we'll definitely be playing that one more this year. Um, all right, so those are our top three games, new games that we played. Um, we want to talk about one of our top gaming experiences uh, besides new games. Sure. So I think both of us have this on our list. Um, it's a game called Lords of Baseball. And, and again, we've mentioned this guy a couple of times, Max, um, and his, his father, Bob, actually designed this game. Mm-hmm. And it's still in prototype form. And I think it's been that way for eight years now. Uh, and we're hoping it's, it's going to be released later this year. And we'd like to have Max on uh, to talk about the game um, in the future. But as me personally, I'm a fan of of sports simulation type games, and in my episode zero, I talked about one of those types of games as as a kid growing up. And this one is is awesome. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it it always helps to be playing with the designers, um, and I'm hoping that when it does come out eventually, that it will be. It's it's a lot to deal with. I'm hoping that the instructions and the and the player aids will be good enough so that we everybody can just pick it up and play because it's a really fun simulation of, of baseball. Yeah, it's definitely one of my uh, top gaming experiences. We played I forget what night Wednesday night or something with eight people, and it simulates uh, baseball from the perspective of an, of an owner or a general manager going through a few seasons, making your team better. And with the eight of us playing, we had a blast. It was a really fun game. Yeah, everybody was was drinking. You didn't have to take it too seriously. Yeah. Um, you just kind of build up your team. You, you simulate the the games against an opponent, and you see how well you do, and how you know how successful your team is in earning money and uh, and prestige. So it's it's definitely a lot of fun. Uh, for me, another top gaming experience was playing Orleans, which if you listen to our episode zero, that's one of my top five favorite games. And the interesting thing is I played it last year at the WBCs for the first time. Uh, one thing we didn't mention, if you don't know how to play a game, a lot of times they have uh, demonstrations where you can learn the game before you enter the tournament. So last year I did that. I went to the demo, learned the game, and I played it in, in the tournament twice. And went home and bought it and have played it a bunch since. Um, so, I, um, in fact, I did not bring it this year. That was one of the controversies. I didn't bring it. Yeah, I yelled at Darren a lot in the car because I said, that's one game I really wanted to play more. And we didn't know it was going to be in the library. And when I, he told me he didn't bring it, I almost volunteered to sit in the back with Howie, uh, switching <laughs> between all the bats. But then um, it was there, and we played it three or four times, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Quite a bit. And it's a game where it's a worker placement game where you pull workers out of the bag. And basically there's a lot of ways to score victory points on, on the board. And there's a map where you can 
these little trading posts and move your little meeple around. Um, but it's a pretty, it's about an hour and a half to play. Um, and it, it's very, uh, uh, heavy on the strategy. And, uh, I think, uh, we all really enjoyed playing Orlean several times. Um, and was, I, I liked the fact that I got to play it many times in a row and kind of try different strategies and, uh, um, get better at the game. Yeah, absolutely. I had that as one of my top experiences as well. And, and the other thing, uh, the other experience I enjoyed was, Again, the Galaxy Trucker Tournament, not necessarily because I finished third. Um, it's just that I don't get to play that game a lot. And right. the game is a ton of fun, even when you're, uh, your ship's getting blown up. Um, I you know, discussed how the game works in, in Episode Zero a little bit, but it's, it's a lot of uh, catastrophes and calamities happening, and you're just trying to survive um, your ship in one piece and, and score some points. And, and every game I played... Uh, was was just a lot of fun. Everybody's laughing, having a good time, and so I really, I really enjoyed that experience just to get to play the game. All right, good. So those are our uh, top gaming experience. Let's talk about some of our other most memorable moments uh, during the uh, eight days we were there. Um, I, one of them we have to mention is the fact that Howie won. The Lost Cities tournament uh, for the second year in a row. No small feat, given that this is a, a tournament where hundreds of people mm-hmm. actually sign up, and it's a two-player game. So once you make it out of that uh, initial round, you have to play one-on-one for maybe eight mm-hmm. eight games in a row without and, losing. And, yeah, without losing. And Howie can attest that it's mentally exhausting to play for the same game for you know five to six hours yeah, straight. He played for a while and uh, did really well. So that was definitely one of the, the, the most memorable things is Howie winning uh, back-to-back Lost Cities championships. Uh, what else? What are some of the other... We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the stinky car incident. Oh, yes. yes. So Howie's friend Matt came up uh, for a couple of days at the end of the, the event, and Matt lives very close by Howie. So Howie rode with us, and on the way back, it was kind of assumed he would just be riding back with Matt. Now, Howie approached me um, the day before we were going to leave and said, I, I, I don't I need to – I don't know how to get out of this. I don't want to ride in Matt's car. I'm like, why? He's like, it, it stinks. I was like, oh, come <laughs> on. How, how bad could it stink? It in he said he has to ride with the window open with his head out the window. So Darren and I, uh, being obviously fair arbitrators here, uh, had Matt open his doors and we leaned in and took a good whiff. And right. we found that oh, it, it smells like an older car. It's been used for, for 12 or so years, but it did not stink as how he had advertised. So – we told Howie he had to suck it up and ride back with Matt, and afterwards he said it still stank, and he never <laughs> wants to do that again. And in fairness, I did take an air freshener out of my car and put it in the stinky car for Howie on the ride home. Apparently that didn't work because he still complained. <laughs> that was definitely a memorable experience. Um, for me, uh, another one was playing Frisbee golf, which we mentioned uh, before, so I played frisbee golf a bunch, and I played a lot of different courses. And um, they have one there. You take the ski lift up to the top of the mountain, and basically the course there's there's 18 holes, and the the first nine 
uh, during the course of the first nine, you wind your way back down the mountain. Then you take the ski lift back up, and you finish the the back nine. Um, I think it was the third or fourth hole. <laughs> so three of us were playing. I think it's the third or fourth hole where you're at basically at the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And in fairness, this course isn't anything amazing. It's way too steep to play on the side of a ski slope to really be a good course. But it was fun, and it's not a bad course. And you'd never played before. No, right? this was my first time. Yeah. So it was a it was it was it was a fine course, but nothing amazing. But the fact that you're hiking down the ski slope makes it not the best uh, frisbee golf course. But the third or fourth hole. You, you tee off at the top of the mountain, and the basket is a good, I don't know, that one was maybe 100 yards down. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much straight down a, uh, a pretty significant slope, and they run through first. And in fairness, you didn't throw overly hard. Um, I'm just yeah. very strong. You're very strong. The, the Frisbee proceeded to sail. All the way down the ski slope, all the way down to almost the lodge. You got to the base where the uh, the, the lift was. I don't know. When I launched this thing, it felt good. And <laughs> at some point, the Frisbee went up. Yeah, it, it, it defied physics. And I'm giving hand motions here, which yeah. won't help. But it went from level to up higher. Yeah. And then we'd go back down and then back up again, and it just sailed. It was an amazing thing. I mean, it went. We're just standing there in amazement as it just keeps going and it keeps going. And uh, I think it was just the, the throw and the wind coming up the mountain. And my muscles. Right, and the muscles. <laughs> <laughs> and then the worst part was I had to go try to look for it because it's obviously your Frisbee. I didn't want to I didn't want to leave you without a Frisbee. Um, and so I had to go down the ski slope. And when I couldn't find it, I'd run down the ski slope. It's steep and it was wet and through a bunch of grass. <laughs> yeah. And then, so I didn't find it. And then I was like, oh, crap. I had to run back up the ski slope to join you guys in the, in the midway point. And I was sweating and I was tired. I was like, this is the worst sport ever, but it's cool because I really threw it far. So I kind of feel special now. <laughs> it was hot and humid that day too. So, and that was only on like the third or fourth hole. So that was uh, quite an experience, I will say. So another one of my favorite experiences, when, they, when the vendors came in, uh, they have a couple small rooms where uh, game vendors will come in and, and sell sell some stuff. Uh, that One of the vendors had what's called mystery boxes. They wrapped games in, in gift wrapping, and you paid anywhere from 10 to $20, not knowing what you're going to get, but the, them assuring that they, they didn't throw junk in there. They mm-hmm. said, these are all games we would want to play. So... It's like, yeah, that's kind of a fun idea. I took a leap of faith and, and bought a $15 box. And then they said, hey, you're going to get something, you know, double the value, um, you know, if you went online and tried to buy it. So I was like, okay, what, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, 15 bucks is okay. And so I got it and Howie immediately runs up. He's like, open it. Go open the box. I'm like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait until later till we get up to, to open gaming and I'll crack it open and see what it is. He's like, no, no, no. You have to open it. You have to open it now. And he got so anxious. So that just gave me more motivation to not open it. And I would run around and taunt him. And, and that was hilarious. And I had a good time with that. And then when I opened the game, it was this game called Pinball Showdown, which true to their word was I think like a $35, $40 game. Uh, and it was about pinball, and mm-hmm. there's a card in there called the Scoop Hole, mm-hmm. and it actually played pretty good. I, I thought, yeah. thought it to be a, a fun game, and I, well worth the fifteen dollars, even from just our one play of it. So 
That was hilarious. Yeah, we played it that day, and it was – I liked it. I thought it was a good game. Um, all right, Mystery Box. So another memory I had, which maybe not be – I'm not saying it's a great one, but it was the fact that me and you slept in the kids' bunk beds. <laughs> <laughs> No, please specify that one of us was on the top and one of us was on the bottom. Right, not yeah, in not the same, the same. Bed. Uh, But literally, it was a three-bedroom condo we had to share with five people. So uh, there was a basically a kids' room with like little tiny furniture and and small kids' bunk beds, and uh, I ended up on the top bunk, um, and. Uh, you know, my legs were hanging over the <laughs> edge of the bed. Now, now tell everyone about your bladder and the and the fact that you cannot sleep through the night without having to go to the bathroom. I had to. I I warned Iran I'm going to have to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom down this tiny little ladder that every time I stepped on creaked and sounded like it was going to crack. Not only did every time you would step out onto the ladder would it creak, every time you slightly shifted above me, it sounded like the entire bed was <laughs> rumbling. And I tell you what, that was one of the worst nights of sleep that first night. Uh, and it got better. I guess maybe I got more used to it. But th- that was horrible. And I said, well, <laughs> I guess he did warn me. And I guess that's what we get for booking a condo with a bunk bedroom. We should have really put the mattress on the floor yeah. and, and stopped – I don't know. <laughs> I'm surprised it did not collapse and crush you. <laughs> that that was a serious concern, especially after we we took off the top to say, oh, we could have taken this whole bed off yeah. and we put it back on. And I wasn't yeah. sure if we put it back on right. correctly. So yeah. that night I was just staring up in the sky going, oh, my God, this is not how I want to go. <laughs> so that was an experience, maybe not a positive one. But it was it was fine. We survived. So for another experience that wasn't very positive for me, uh, we talked about Marco Polo before, and we talked about how in open gaming people will come up and play a game, and you know they'll see something you want to play. So we were setting up Marco Polo, and we noticed there was another game of Marco Polo set up nearby, and nobody was sitting there. So we figured somebody was looking to play, but we didn't know where they were. So we were almost ready to start playing. This guy comes zooming in. He's like, oh, I love this game. I want to play. And we're like, okay, you know, it's... This is what we're there for. It's not a big deal. This guy, I don't get angry at a lot. Mm-hmm. I, don't get, I don't get irritated by a lot. This guy drove me nuts. Because <laughs> we told him that two of us were learning the game for the first time. And all he did was, on my turn, would tell me, oh, there's a really obvious move out there. And I was like, thanks. I don't know how to play the game. I'm just learning. And then he would proceed to tell me what the obvious move was. And he was wrong. Actually, as I learned later, he would be telling me things to do. And I would say, like, no, I, I don't need to do that. I don't have that resource. I don't need that resource. And I'm pretty sure he was drinking before noon, which, I, you know, I'm not, not hating him no for that. No shame in that. Come on. But, yeah, it was a little <laughs> aggressive. And it, it just annoyed me to no end. So it was one of those experiences where I still enjoyed the game. But once we were able to play without him, I enjoyed it much more. It's funny because um, he didn't annoy me as much, but the fact that he was annoying you gave me pleasure. <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually pretty hurtful. Uh, I wanted to bring up another uh, memorable moment that I just thought of. Okay. <laughs> totally unscripted. I'm not yeah, that we script anything. No, but go but ahead. Uh, I, I got to bring this one up uh, because um, it's the game that you brought called Moonshine Run. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so you brought this game on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and uh, 
it's a box of cards where you're you're smuggling moonshine. <laughs> great, great idea for a game. Yeah, yeah, good theme and the art was fine and mm-hmm. just a bunch of cards. We played it one night after we'd been drinking, um, late at night, I mm-hmm. think, back at the condo, um, and the game was horrendous. Yes. Yeah, it was really just flipping cards and seeing what happens on your turn. <laughs> And then yes. you always had a card that could cancel the other person's turn out completely. I think that's what did it for me. It was, you know, <laughs> it just kind of randomly flipping over cards. Maybe we're missing some strategy, but in the end, every time somebody could just be like, eh, now, you know what? You don't get all that moonshine that you just, <laughs> just, <laughs> you just smuggled. smuggled that moonshine and I just canceled it all out. <laughs> and now it's my turn. And that happened on every other turn. And basically we did that to Howie repeatedly and he was hammered and it was funny. Uh, and the game was so bad, but it made it so much fun that that experience was worth the bringing that game and playing that game. And I tell you, that will become a tradition that we play uh, that game at the WBCs while drinking whiskey. Because I think it's appropriately themed yeah. and I think it's an appropriately fun, goofy, uh, goofy moment. I, I agree. I think that's the only time I play that game again. All right, so I think that wraps it up for our show. Um, I think it's obvious that we had a great time at the World Board Gaming Championships, and all of our friends who are listening that did not come with us, I think we urge them to come out. Uh, mm-hmm. We will allow you to have the top bunk in any condo we get, and you will you will definitely enjoy it. It will be a good time. Yes, and uh, if you're in the area or it's a reasonable drive for you, consider going to the World Board Gaming Championships if, if anything we described sounds like fun. And uh, with that, uh, thanks for listening. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. For more information about the podcast, check out www.boardgamesareforlosers.com. If you have questions that you want answered on the show, or if you just want to tell us that you still think we're losers, you can email us at boardgamelosers at gmail.com. You can chat with other losers in our forums over at boardgamegeek.com by visiting guild number 3300. And don't forget to check out our amazing board game photography on Instagram by following at Board Game Losers.